a Podcast One production. Tiff and Cass here. You're listening to Crappy to Happy. And if you love the episodes, then get in touch. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We absolutely love hearing from you. We genuinely do. We love your feedback and this show is for you. So tell us what you think. We can't wait to hear from you. Now, on with the show. Last episode, we're talking about changing habits and the motivation myth. Today, we're going to chat about life after a baby. So much happens. So much has happened. Yes. Since our last season of Crappy to Happy Tiff. It sure has. You were sitting next to me, very pregnant. As pregnant as you get. (laughs) And now, of course, you've had your lovely Arnold. Yes. Five months ago now? Five months. Exactly five months ago. He's a healthy, bouncing, little, delicious boy. boy. And I think this is, you've received so much attention in Mm -hmm. the media, haven't you, Mm -hmm. since having Arnold and Mm -hmm. since putting yourself out there, your post-baby body. And I think that this is a great topic. Yeah, I think it's really important. Look, let's, let's go back to the beginning. I had Arnold after a tough pregnancy. Very tough. Very tough. Good delivery baby came along. I was in the hospital and I took a picture of me holding my newborn, my little baby. And I was so proud of him in his little knitted booties that his mom, his grandmother had made for him. And he was so beautiful. And I took that picture and put it up on Instagram, expecting all the comments to be about my beautiful son. But all the comments were about my body. And I didn't think about it in the moment. I was wearing a breastfeeding singlet that hugged my stomach, which was very swollen, from my uterus was still swollen. It was um, five days, wasn't it? Five days mm. postpartum. So I still looked very pregnant, probably about seven months pregnant. Yeah. Um, I had put on 30 kilos. I was sleep deprived. I was tired. I had had an episiotomy. Um, all those things that happened to you. My milk hadn't come in. Um, you know, very everyone, normal. Very, very normal. normal, hectic time. And your partner's there as well. And Ed was... You know, your world is is just shattered yeah. in such a beautiful way. And when all the comments came out about my body, oh, good on you for showing your tummy being as big as it is and looking pregnant postpartum, I thought, why would I, why wouldn't I look pregnant? This is a postpartum body. I can't bounce back in five days. And I had seen a lot of images in the media of women putting out I think negligent images of themselves weeks later after having a baby, having bounced back. And sure, some women can, some women don't put on a lot of weight during their pregnancy or their muscles bounce back or, you know, they don't have complicated deliveries or whatever. But um, I found that quite damaging, putting out those images. And so I did put out a real look and postpartum body, didn't think about it. And once those comments came flooding in about um, how good it was to see a real postpartum body, I continued to do it. Yeah. And it really, the feedback was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. That went gangbusters, didn't it? Yeah. And it wasn't something that I did on purpose. On purpose. Or it wasn't something I did for publicity or profile or any of that. I just had a baby. I was raw. I was vulnerable. And I put out the image, the first image to show my friends and family on social media. I had a son and um, I wasn't looking glamorous or anything. I think it just highlighted how much we and women just appreciated that because we've all had the same experience Mm -hmm. of seeing those bounce back photos. And the culture. flat abs. And it makes everybody who has a very normal postpartum body 
which just, is all of us. Yeah, exactly. And and feel it feel like crap. It makes you feel crappy because as a trainer also, I know how to change people's bodies and I know the time and the effort it takes. So seeing bounce back photos, I know it means hours in the gym, which sacrifices magical time in the newborn bubble with your newborn. Mm-hmm. It also um, means a creating a deficiency with your calorie intake. So you have to cut calories and I was breastfeeding. So I wanted to protect my milk supply. Mm -hmm. You can't diet. It does affect your milk supply. And so I was very protective over being a good mum, getting to know my baby, protecting my milk supply, my boobs, looking after my own mental health, my the mental health of my partner, who was also really, wow, <laughs> this is full on, isn't it? And you're, it is. Yeah, and you're under sleep deprivation. I went back to work very early on, like maybe 10 days later, working <laughs> from home, but there was a lot going on. So I put those photos out because I thought, I'm not going to be able to bounce back here. I'm not going to sacrifice that time. I want to be a good mother. And also I was rebelling against media that had asked me and money involved to post pictures of my body and to bounce back photos and stories before my six-week check with the obstetrician. So Mm. they were expecting me to hit the gym, to diet, to deprive, to have time away from my baby um, before it was even safely, uh, before I had the safe go ahead from my obstetrician to even be exercising. And we all know women that you can't do anything other than maybe some light walking, no. um, before six weeks, before the doctor checks you out and says, okay. And it's very dangerous. And I have seen celebrities exercising before the six week check. And I just was so angry about that. So I did nothing and I, I just did some light walking with Arnold in fresh air and nature yeah, when I could. But um, I was really determined not to bounce back and to show my body as it is. And on my program, TIFFX, I've got many mothers and I felt a responsibility. More, might I say even more now having yeah, seen that because mums. women now feel that they can relate to you yeah. where they can't necess- couldn't necessarily relate to the, some other yeah. trainers who had those higher expectations and those bounce back bodies. It just makes And there are a lot of factors like, you know, and, and I can't say that I haven't had moments where I've been in, in the corner crying, um, hating my body and being frustrated with my body and feeling pressure from the media and being the leader of a fitness community and looking at myself in the mirror and going, you don't look like a fit trainer. You don't know, you don't look like you know what you're doing. And there's been those moments and those dark moments where I've had to search and go, hey, priorities, self-care, your son. And yeah, it's frustrating when you don't lose weight fast or you, you can't exercise or the baby stops you from getting out of the house to physically be able to do it. But you have to make do with what you can and you have to be gentle with yourself and that self-compassion and you've got to look at that baby's face and go, feeding you is my priority and and getting to know you and working you out (laughs) is my priority and looking after this family because you cannot, you cannot, um, you know, put your body and your six-pack before being a good mum and looking after that child, you know? Absolutely. So it was was very tough. It was very tough for me to be back on camera 
in a way because because I do work in the media and my business is an online platform. So in order to promote that business, I I have to exist on Instagram and Facebook and put images of myself out and videos and content every day. And it was difficult, I have to say, to get back on camera when um, I didn't feel like myself, you know, big, big engorged boobs and, and I had jiggly bits and more stretch marks and cellulite and I was unfit. I couldn't get through a TIFXO workout. Yeah. And it was, I felt incredibly raw and vulnerable, but I knew that no woman starts out after having a baby completely fit and conditioned and lean. You know, it's a journey back. And I wanted to start exercising and I did showing my members doing the TIFXO workouts in a crop top with, you know, a body that was 30 kilos heavier than when I started out with the business. And to be honest, Cass, when I had this baby and I felt pregnant, I was very worried about the business. I thought this could be the end of my business and I wanted children. I really did. And I thought I've got to have this baby. And I was so excited and I don't want to get teary, but I was nervous that people would like leave and the business would fall apart. And it was so beautiful that women identified with me and that it has helped women. And the best thing I could have done is have that baby. Yeah. And And you never expected to get as sick as you did. Like nobody does. No, no. You would never have expected. How can you? And since having Arnold, it seems that it's been one thing after another. Yes. In terms of... You have broken your ankle now. I've broken my ankle. I had some issues with my hormones, breastfeeding. So I had to do some hormone stuff. And, you know, it's never smooth sailing. Never. You know, and it's, it's difficult to get your fitness back. And I really do empathize with women and how hard it is and how uncomfortable it is to get back and to exercise. But at the end of the day, you have to push through that little bit of discomfort and surround yourself with support and do it step by step. And Exactly, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Like be realistic with mm-hmm. your expectations. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that w- w- your story, well, you, your career is as a fitness trainer mm-hmm. and your uh, your unique challenges are, are unique to you as a fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, being in there's the media, more being, pressure. However, it's very reflective of exactly what every other woman goes every through, whatever woman. career she's in. Yep. There's never a good time to have a baby. It's, the, it's that, mm-hmm. oh, what will happen to my career if I have yep. to take time off? Yep. And it might not be and getting it, back to being fit, but it might be getting back to my job before yep. it, or, or whatever, or, yep. or just getting back to my Juggling. standard of yep. keeping a house tidy, of being able mm-hmm. to have a shower once a day. Yes. <laughs> this is all yep. just, uh, these are common challenges. Yeah. It is. And, you know, if you run your own business, you don't get maternity leave. No. And um, I am so passionate about my members. Business aside, I feel I have this community of women who rely on me and I wanted to put out new workouts for them and I, I am so dedicated to helping them. And when I had Arnold, I thought okay, we're just all going to do this together. And I reached out to them and said, I'm feeling pretty vulnerable right now. Um, And I realised I couldn't, early days I had Arnold and I thought, okay, I've got to, you know, put some images out, content for the business, whatever, but I couldn't have a shower. I couldn't put on makeup. I couldn't go to the hairdressers and get my roots done. I was looking horrendous, but I thought that's normal. 
That's normal. It is so normal, but most of us get to do that. I mean, it's hard enough. It, that, yeah. The first six weeks after a baby mm-hmm. is hell. Let's and I had it. a reflux baby too. Uh-huh. And so it is hard enough, let alone having to then put yourself out publicly. Publicly. To, you've, to have, judgment. You have over 100,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. and more through Facebook mm-hmm. and... Yeah. So the pressure of that, I mean... And everyone has an opinion, Cass, and that's something I uh-huh. learned very early on as a mum. Oh, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole yeah. topic. Everybody was... Strangers reaching out telling me how to parent and what to do and, you know, especially with feeding, I'm breastfeeding, solely breastfeeding, that's fine. But I... You know, people have have opinions about how you should feed your baby, and to them, I say, mind your own tits. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorite things to say at the moment. Um, Who would terms, have an opinion about in breastfeeding? terms of you know being a working mum or you know introducing bottles or this or that or whatever you do? Sure, just if you it just do what you need to do with your child. You know your child. Fed is best. And there's there's all these wars going on with mums, how you raise your children, how you feed your children, routine babies versus non-routine babies, bottles versus breasts, this, this. I say, just feed your baby. That is the most important thing. Mind your own tits. <laughs> um, mine are doing fine. And I was I've just... I've never heard that. Yeah, I was just overwhelmed with people's opinions on how to you know, whether you swaddle your baby or you don't, whether you use a dummy or if you don't. There was so, there's so much. And I was like, women have to support each other. Mums have to be kind to other mums. Don't judge. Oh, that's the the mummy. The uh, mummy wars. The mummy wars. I'm, it's been 12 years. Did you find that? Yeah, for sure. It's been 12 years almost. My daughter's 11 and a half since I had my daughter. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly rife when Mm -hmm. I was a new mum. Um, I actually was wondering, I was going to ask you, mm. do you think that is still as prevalent? Because I think, I thought we'd come a bit further than that now that, and we'd sort of calmed down a bit on that. I think it's worse, Cass, because really? social media is, you know, everyone has an opinion mm. and they will private message you their opinion. And you're like, and you read them. Oh, thanks. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know you, but thank you for that. Or there's a comment on your Instagram, and you know, so it, 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 there's a lot of opinions, and I found that quite difficult. Mm. Um, but I, I do think that mums are doing their best, and that you have to just do your best. And as long as that baby is fed and and loved, that's all that matters. And um, it has been. Um, such an eye opener to just how competitive it can be as well with mums and is it harder than you expected? Absolutely, I I can't believe how hard those first six weeks were uh-huh. with a baby and sleep deprivation. It was a whole new level. Sure, we've all had rough nights sleeping or had to get up early for work. And when I was working in television, I was I started my day at five a.m. and sometimes we would film till ten at night. And you know I wouldn't sleep, and they were long days, and it was physical work. But it nothing compares to that broken sleep and that exhaustion of feeding a baby overnight. And the responsibility. And the responsibility. And with Arnold being a reflux baby where I couldn't lie him on his back and think of the logistics of that. Can't go in a pram on his back. He can't be laid down. You're holding that baby upright or elevating everything all day. It was so difficult for Ed and I. Um, and I just look back at that six weeks and you go into survival mode, but I don't know how I did it. It's a blur. And it's a blur and I just want to give every mum out there a huge hug and just say good on you because 
it, it does get easier after that. I found around the 12-week mark, I was like, oh, I sort of know what he wants now. Yeah. Um, but it, it, the first six weeks are brutal. So, you know, you have to reach out for help. Did people tell you that? I did have an idea, but not... not but you don't. No, you just don't know until you're living it and you're lying in bed and you hear the baby and you're just like, I can't get up. I'm so tired. Yeah, I can't God, move. No, but you have to get up and... You know, no one can do it but you. Um, And you sometimes have to put on a brave face and then you go out in public and people stick their heads in the pram and they'll tell you what you're doing wrong. Um, (laughs) I remember that. You know, and you're like, get your head out of my pram. (laughs) I'm going to, you know, explode. Um, But, you know, it it is what it is. So if you're a mum out there, just give yourself a cuddle. Um, And I want people, I want women to take that bounce back pressure off because it felt like there was a clock over my head counting down yeah, and it was like, how soon can you bounce back? And I was so sick of people asking me when I would lose my baby weight. And I was like, yeah, the important word there is baby. I've had a baby. It's not baby weight. It's like uterus and it's pregnancy and it's... it. My body has never actually been as strong as it is now for your information because I went through labor and I did something so athletic and so awesome. And, you know, delivering the baby, however you deliver it, is so full on. Mm. So I just was so proud of that moment. And I was wearing my body like this is my new mum body and it may never return to how it was. It definitely isn't now. Um, and I'm five months postpartum and I'm still seven kilos over my pre-baby weight. And Do you know what you know, I hate? That I, I hate the term pre-baby weight. Yeah, like, like even you're a different person, aren't you, Cass? Even in the TFXO community, yeah. you've attracted a lot of new mm. mums because they relate to you. But mm. there is still this, I've got this much to go before I get to my pre-baby weight. Like, we've had a baby. Mm. Your body has completely changed. So where does this even, I mean, I'm, no, I was the same Yeah. because we hold that as, well, that's who, who I was and that's and who how, I should return to I be. But you're a different person. Everything's and, changed. And look, I look at this now, I've got a broken ankle and I've got a baby and I can't wait bare and it's a nightmare. But I look at my ankle and it's a broken bone and I'm not expected to bounce back uh, three days later after having such a bad injury. When I gave birth to Arnold, it was pretty like raw and um, wild and you don't expect it to be so, uh, (laughs) what's the word, Cass? Like just, oh, you don't expect it to be so gross, but (laughs) it was for me. (laughs) And and five days later, like breaking my ankle, you're not expected to be back and, you know, have this perfect body and have rehabbed and recovered physically and emotionally from an injury like that. And, and it's like having surgery or anything, you know, you're not allowed that time after having a baby to recover emotionally, mentally, or physically. And even having stitches and things like I had, I was like, where is this message in the media about recovery and mental health after having a baby because I didn't suffer postnatal depression, but there were times that I went to the doctors for checkups and they did the Edinburgh test. Edinburgh. Edinburgh Edinburgh. test, yes. And on a bad day, sure, I was postnatal, but, you know, it passed because that test can be done any day, can't it? And I had had a few bad days and a few bad scores, like any mum out there. Um, So, Can I say something about mm. that? The Edinburgh, I I did a lot of work in postnatal depression yes. um, as a clinical psychologist. Yes. In my, when 
my private practice was thriving. That was mm. more than half of my workload mm-hmm. was postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. And that score does change, but a characteristics of, of a characteristic of postnatal mm. depression is that you do have those ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And that many women think right. will say, I, I was that. I was just having a bad day. Right. I don't have postnatal depression. That was just a bad day because he wasn't sleeping. That was just a bad day because my husband was away. Yes. And actually yeah. that up and down nature. Yeah. Is is what it's. Well, I did not know that. Well, perhaps I did. I don't know. But you know, when the doctor said, "I'm just going to do the little test on you," I burst out crying. No, I'm not postnatal. I I haven't got time to be postnatal. I've got a baby at home. I had my my daughter before I did my clinical psychology Mm -hmm. master, so I know more now than I did then. And my GP was strongly suggesting to me that Mm. I may have postnatal depression, and I was exactly like you. I was like, "No, you're being ridiculous." My husband's yep. away. I'm just having a bad day. And then later I looked back and went, oh, yeah. actually, and that's, that was pretty bad. Yeah, you look back and you just think that was pretty tough. Yeah. And it was so tough like when, when your partner goes away to work and you're at home for the first time with mm-hmm. the baby. I remember being terrified. Isn't that hard, that first day? Yep. I mean, it's all the first. I found all the first hard. The first time I took Arnold out in a pram, yes. just getting the pram upstairs and then I thought, oh, I'll go into a cafe and get a coffee. I couldn't get the pram through the door because I didn't know you had to reverse the pram through the door. And <laughs> all I just these things I burst know. out crying because I couldn't get the pram in the cafe and no one was helping me. And, you know, and I just fell apart and I was so embarrassed. And, you know, it's all the little firsts along the way that's so difficult. Mm -hmm. And I'm even struggling with firsts now. I haven't taken Arnold out. He's started some solids. And I haven't fed him outside the house yet. I'm terrified of the mess and the food and doing that outside of the house. And so being at home logistically for breakfast, lunch, dinner, solids is very hard around my work schedule, plus breastfeeds and all of that. So I'm I'm still nervous about feeding in public because of... um, because, you know, people come up and say, oh, hi, Ed, Tiff. And we love that people come and say hi to us on the streets. But when you've got a boob out, sometimes it's a bit like, oh, maybe later, like come over in five minutes. <laughs> so, you know, there's yeah. all the, these firsts that are so hard. And, um, and leaving the house is challenging yeah. for many reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, then there's the issue of managing s- sleep, you know, sleep. wanting to be home for their naps. And depending on how well your baby sleeps in the car or the pram mm-hmm. or at home, I would never be out of the house if she needed to sleep. In fact, for a little while, she would only sleep in the pram. Mm -hmm. So I had to, even if I didn't want to leave the house, I had to get outside and I had to push that pram around and around the block Mm -hmm. um, because it was the only way that she would sleep. So we have, there's so many restrictions, you know, that suddenly you have to face Mm -hmm. and live with. Um, yeah. It just life changes. Life does, and and your, you may your life is not your own anymore. No, it's not, and I, that's why I urge people not to give opinions to new mums or to to pry because you a lot of women would be like, well, just feed Arnie and chuck him in the car and then go do that. And I'd be like, but he's a reflux baby, so I feed Arnie and I have to have him upright for at least 20, 25 minutes for him. Otherwise, the milk comes up and he doesn't get the nutrition. So, you know, it's fine if your baby isn't reflux, but, you know, you're dealing with so many things and I felt like I was always justifying myself. Which you shouldn't have to do. Yeah, and always, oh, it's it's so hectic. So you got to take that pressure off, you've got to go slow and you've got to self-accept and find that compassion, don't you, Cass? Yeah. 
Uh, for sure. Self-compassion. And there's lots of other things that I think mums yeah, should do, so do to look after yeah, themselves. There's a lot of tips. So we'll come back after the break and we're going to give you some tips on how to take the pressure off and look after yourself mentally, physically and emotionally. You're listening to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass and we're speaking about life after a baby. Now, I just we just want to say before we continue, this isn't an exhaustive list of issues that pop up after you have a baby. These are just some of the things that we experienced and um, we're Hopefully going... Hopefully some things yeah, that can help. Some things that can help you feel go from crappy to feeling a little bit happier. Now, let's talk about the mental side of being a new mum. There's a lot going on. You're healing after the birth. Uh, You've got all these hormones running around in your body. You have a tiny little gorgeous baby completely dependent on you. And there's a new life. The old life's gone. So it's a tough time, Cass. Interesting that you say that because I distinctly remember when my baby was very little and she was not a sleeper and she was not a very good feeder and I had a pretty Mm -hmm. rough time. And I remember saying to my friend, who, by the way, doesn't have children by choice. She Mm -hmm. has never had children. I remember saying to her, gosh, I just want my old life back. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and said, what are you talking about? This is your life. Mm. And at the time, Mm -hmm. that was like, that was devastating to me. It was like this penny dropped and I went, oh my God, I am not getting that life I remember back. that moment too. And it was the second week, we first week in hospital, second week you go home. And the first few nights, it was like a novelty getting up to Arnold and our special time. And then all of a sudden that sleep deprivation kicked in. The adrenaline went from that high of having the baby. And I realized that mums don't get a day off. It's that I can't sleep. Day in tomorrow that I'm feeling like absolute crap and I've got to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's devastating actually. Yeah. And you know, those first six weeks really are tough. I think that's Mm -hmm. commonly known. We all know the baby blues kicks in, you know, with the, with the milk coming in, Uh that sort of day four, five, and that's usually fairly temporary Mm -hmm. and you sort of come back. But then later on, if you're still feeling really down, teary, um, that's when we start being concerned about postnatal Mm -hmm. depression. And, you know, statistically, one in seven is the number Mm -hmm. of women who will experience postnatal depression um, or and also postnatal anxiety. I think postnatal anxiety is actually possibly it's not as widely reported. People don't talk about it, but it's mm. very prevalent. Mm-hmm. And I think I was probably a little bit more of an anxious mum. Mm-hmm. But it's really important. As you said, it's we don't often, we wonder what's normal. Yeah, I don't know, know what's normal. I didn't even know my baby had reflux. I thought it was normal for him to be writhing through the night full of heartburn and he, you know, his stomach acid. And I, I thought that was normal for little babies to not sleep at all. Oh, wow. Like, because you hear newborns don't sleep, but I thought, but it wasn't until the midwife said, oh, no, he, he should be sleeping between feeds, like four hour blocks. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I had a similar experience. Oh. And and that's the thing, nobody, you don't know these things. Mm-mm. It's such an uncertain time and that is the challenge. When we talk about postnatal depression, um, there are so many factors that contribute to that. And I think there's a bit of a misconception that this that it's all about hormones. Mm. You've got these raging okay. hormones. Yeah, I thought it was. And, that, and in no. fact, postnatal depression is much like any other kind of depression and it's mm-hmm. caused by a lot of environmental factors, including the fact that 
you're not getting any sleep. That sleep every, deprivation. That yeah. every that life as you knew it has been completely disrupted. Everything that was your normal routine, everything that you ex- came to expect to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, a normal structure and routine mm-hmm. has gone. Your time is not your own anymore. No. Uh, the loss of identity, if you've been very, uh, you know, much a career woman mm-hmm. or, you know, tied your identity and your self-worth mm-hmm. to these achievements and the things that you prided yourself on mm-hmm. being able to do and suddenly you can't even wash your hair yeah. or get through a day. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> or leave the house. Or leave the house. Yeah, or get back to emails. or. <laughs> so it's, and this pressure of responsibility. And I, mm-hmm. as I said, I worked a lot with new mums and I remember one mum saying to me, she just felt this overwhelming pressure of, and the weight of the responsibility of being the person who had to keep this baby alive. Mm-hmm. That's the pressure of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's not going well. Yeah. And especially if you don't want to necessarily go mm. to formula. And a lot of mums don't. Yeah. And, you know, right or wrong, make your own decision. Yeah. But if you feel that pressure that you would rather breastfeed, then that mm. can be enormously difficult. And also your milk supply can change. Mm-hmm. I had an oversupply, which was traumatic because I had to work with a lactation consultant to bring my boobs down and normalize my supply because Arnold wasn't feeding because there was too much milk and it gave him reflux. Yeah. And then I had periods where I was stressing myself out working and with Arnold and by the end of the day I didn't have enough supply milk. Supply drops. And then having to increase my calories and work around that. And, you know, for me it was very hard because at one point I'm trying to get fit and healthy and my job is to do fitness videos every day. But if I did too much, it affected how I fed Arnold and it was just such a stressful time. We're all back to, you know, finding our way now, but it it is such a stress. And everything that you're talking about is very normal. And every day is different. Every week's different. If people say, can't you do this next week? You can go, sure, commit. And then that week, the baby throws a curveball. Life changes again because babies grow and develop and change. Yeah. There's no, there's no predictable routine anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's challenging if you're a person who has routine th- thrived on mm. predictability and routine. And a lot of the mums that I would see... Um, struggling postnatally, and I would mm. say, I actually, I would say this probably applied to myself as well, and I, and I know that I've spoken to you about it. But the mums who tend to be high achieving, like mm-hmm. order, like mm-hmm. routine, maybe a little bit perfectionist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they pride themselves on doing things well and having mm-hmm. a sense of control, mm-hmm. control and predictability. And suddenly, there's no more control, and suddenly you thought you're a competent person and you can't do the most basic thing. Mm -mm. It's shattering Mm -hmm. mentally. Um, And nobody understands it. Mm -hmm. Like your partner can be there and be supportive, but they don't really get it, especially if you're the one at home. And this um, is often the case. You're the one at home and then they walk out the door and go to work and have coffee mm-hmm. and eat lunch go the gym. and do, and do yeah. all of those things that adult people get to do. Fill up the car with petrol. I was oh so jealous. Oh, my gosh, yes. And it's like I'm just going to go out and get some petrol. Like, I'd love to do that. My husband was so helpful when – and he was working from home actually when I had Annabelle, my daughter, mm. and so – and he was amazingly helpful. Mm-hmm. But he would say, okay – I'll I'll put the washing out. I'll, we had a corner store, like a grocery mm-hmm. store, mm-hmm. on our corner, like literally. Mm-hmm. And so he would say, "I'll run down and I'll get the groceries." And I would say, "No, I want to get out Can of the I house. go get the groceries?" That's it. I would beg Ed because at one stage we had a blind in Arnold's room with a shard of light keeping him awake through coming through the blind, and I had to go get those Velcro things that stick the blind to the 
you know, the yes. window. And I just had to go to Bunnings. And Ed's like, I'll go to Bunnings. It's a waste of your time. You stay here. I'm like, please. Please let me go. If you don't let me go to Bunnings, I'm going to roundhouse kick you. I have to go to Bunnings right now. It's an outing for me, Ed. And then I would go out, though. If I did, I'd say, oh, thank goodness. And I'd get to the store and she'd start crying. Yeah. And he would be on the phone saying, I don't know what to do. Um, So it's just, and then that's the pressure. Mm -hmm. That's like, oh, gosh, I am never going to have a minute to myself Mm -hmm. ever again in my Mm -hmm. life. And, of course, we do. Of course, you get through yes. that. Yes. But you can't see the that moment. at the time. So how do you deal with that, Cass? Like if you're feeling that moment. I would say first and foremost. I, it's like being trapped. It is. It is. And I remember that feeling yeah. very well. Like I'm staring at these four walls. I'm not a game to mm. leave the house, but I don't want to be here either. Mm. Um, I think if your GP, as mm-hmm. yours was mm-hmm. and as mine was, mm-hmm. is gently suggesting that perhaps you might there might be something going on here that is mm-hmm. beyond the normal sort of mood fluctuations mm-hmm. of postpartum um, that you might want to take that on board because I think a lot of people just say dismiss it and think this I'm just having a bad day when in fact if you're having a lot of bad days then that is an indication that it could be postnatal depression and it okay. doesn't mean that you have to I think people are very wary that that means something terrible or they'll mm-hmm. be put on medication what does that, it mean Cass well it just means that you could use some support. Right. And so just getting a referral to a psychologist can be a really useful mm-hmm. thing. But what if you're like me and I was like, I haven't got time to go to a psychologist. I, 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 can't, I can't get the baby in the car. I don't want to take the baby out. That's I want to keep Arnold on his routine and naps. And like, how do you... Well, you know, if it gets to a point where you have to make a priority, and we're right. talking here about prioritising yep. your mental health, and sometimes mm-hmm. it gets to the point and I think a lot of women probably do put it off for that reason. Mm-hmm. It feels like another difficult, challenging thing. Yeah. I didn't go to um, mother's group. Neither did, did I. I. I could didn't. not manage to get mm-hmm. myself to mother's group. And that was that can be potentially a really amazing support mm-hmm. and women make you know really firm friendships in mm-hmm. mother's group and keep them throughout their mm-hmm. children's lives. And I had one or two um, girls from mother's group who were Follow me up and say, how are you going? And we, mm-hmm. okay, when she got a bit older, then I was able to go and have a coffee. Mm-hmm. But the, the regular mother's group meetings, I was a no-show mm-hmm. pretty much every time. And so this is how women end up so isolated. Yes. And it's very isolating. I just saw something on Facebook today and I shared it actually mm-hmm. because we were recording this mm-hmm. about the loneliness. Yeah, it's of, so lonely. Yeah. And you can be in a room full of people, all these visitors coming over to look at your baby and you can still be feeling so lonely. Yeah. And I think the important thing is to ask for help Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to ask for help. And I think a big part of the problem is that we are bombarded with images and messages and even on social media about how wonderful it is to be a Mm mum. And all we see is the cute, happy, smiling Mm -hmm. babies and the commercials on the TV about how lovely it is to have this giggling, gurgling yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. And if that's not your reality, it can very much feel like you are the only one yeah. who's not doing it right or you got the mm. bad baby. Mm. I used to think, how come I got the dud baby? <laughs> oh, Cass. <laughs> oh, bless her little soul. She's a I gorgeous know, girl. And you love your baby and you love your baby so much. But, but people would say, and I remember saying to people, um, it was really hard and no, nobody else seemed to be struggling. Like, mm. That's how it felt to me. And I think that's how it feels for a lot of mums. Mm. Like nobody, I'm not going to get teary now. Yeah. That's okay, Cass. Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That's how, oh, I want to give you a big hug. That's okay. I always want to give you a hug too. I know. <laughs> now you're making me teary. Oh God, Cass. <laughs> 
It's really hard, isn't it? It is hard when it feels like you're the only one. Yeah. 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 And and in um give me a second. Mm. And I was going to say, many of my friends uh, who are psychologists as well, who have mm-hmm. um, had gone on to have babies, mm. surprise, surprise, are specialising in postnatal yeah. depression. And that's because when you've been through it. Mm. Yeah. When you've been through it, you just want to help other people. Yeah. You, you want to help and, women. And I had mums come to me and say, my my. My first question is, have you had a baby? Because they weren't interested in seeing a psychologist who, and they had seen psychologists Mm. who had no idea what, Mm. you know, who had given them the old, just sleep when the baby sleeps. How As if that's helpful. Do not say that to me. So many people. You know, these, these sorts of. What if you have a toddler? Oh, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But. They wanted to talk to somebody who they knew could relate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. You want to talk to people who get it. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you f- if you feel like nobody else gets it, even in your, amongst your circle of friends mm-hmm. or your family, then that's the most isolating thing. Yeah. And it is so hard. And like you, I didn't do mother's group because I was terrified of what they may think about me being back at work. Really? With a baby. Fear of the judgment. Yeah. And I was working and I was working hard because I had this baby and I looked at his little gorgeous cheeks and I was like, I want to build a life for you. And I'd started a business and I got pregnant two months into that beautiful business and I have a fantastic team that work with me that I did not want to let down. I didn't want my business going down the toilet because I had had a baby. How's the pressure though? And I was like, I need to be back teaching, doing fitness videos, giving to my members, showing women the way. And all I wanted to do was cry. So that is not going to help, you know. And I was too scared to go to mother's group and reach out for help. I was too scared to tell Ed who was keeping the family going. And he's a comedian. He has to get up in the morning and tell jokes. Yeah. And how's he going to be bloody funny with a wife at home crying and a baby screaming? So, you know, there's pressure everywhere, how we affect, you know, yeah, everything. So you get through it <laughs> by asking for help. Who, who knew this was going to be yeah, such a <laughs> crisis? But also I think asking for help is the most important thing and prioritising that. Absolutely. And, uh, and get professional help. Professional help. Don't, a good GP. Don't do it alone. I say to people, you do not have to struggle alone. Mm-hmm a good GP, wife, your obstetrician, whoever you trust. I was calling my obstetrician. I felt like we had been through so much. Yeah, well, you have. <laughs> and I thought, I thought after I had the baby, I was like, are you leaving me? <laughs> after nine months, I had become so attached to him. Yeah. And I was calling his office and they were so good. And for me, that was my support system. Yeah. Um, and my mum, obviously. But you do find that you have different ways of doing things to what you, even your parents and you know, it, 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 you just have to find that person and have perhaps that one voice in your head because there's so many 
opinions yeah. of how to do things. And for me, fresh air was great. Oh, you've got to get outside. And let's get back to the tips. Yeah, yeah let's, let's get back. <laughs> you've got to let's get talk outside. About the tips. So psychologically, how can fresh air help? Because I did that because it just felt good. But psychologically... Well, we just know it does. You vitamin know, D. The vitamin D, fresh air, just getting out of the house. Um, I would always say to women, especially sort of towards the end of the day, but any time of the day is fine. But especially around that five o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. when it cools down mm-hmm. and you can just get out for a walk, mm-hmm. it can make all the difference going through then into the evening because the evening the bed, is off. bath, bottle, all the bees, yes. breast, whatever you're doing, <laughs> it's, books. And, and witching hour. The off, bees, oftentimes yeah. Oftentimes the end of the day is a difficult time with baby. So if you could give yourself a little bit of a yeah. break and get outside, um, that can be really helpful. Yeah, I, I found that really helpful. And at first I was you know, not nav- navigating the gutters right with my pram. I was freaking out about the sun on the baby. It, it was all Everything. so scary, but you have to take that first step. And I made my sister come along the first time we went around the block and then then I built up the distance. Um, and then I found physically, if you are someone who wants to get your fitness back and you want to, because for me, something that really affected me having Arnold Usually if I felt a bit flat in my life, if I had a moment where I felt just unmotivated, what I would do is go for a walk or move my body and the physiolo- the changing my physiology would give me a boost of endorphins, that and give my brain that hit and then I would feel better. But what do you do when you're at home with a baby and I couldn't move and I couldn't give myself that endorphin hit? I, that My coping mechanisms had changed. Yes. So um, I started to do Tifexo in the living room, which helped, but also that was after six weeks. But before six weeks, if you want to start moving, you can walk, which is great with the fresh air, but also the pelvic floor. I I urge all mums out there to do what they can to, if you can afford it, find a really good women's health physio and start working that pelvic floor. You feel good once your pelvic floor is back and just giving your love and the time because if that issues happen around a prolapse that can be really bad psychologically you never get back into fitness you can it's just builds and builds and builds so looking after your pelvic floor is number one i say i had a cesarean actually so mm-hmm. i had again mm-hmm. a long time that i couldn't do anything yes they said, don't lift anything heavier mm-hmm. than your baby don't drive a car yes um so that's really limiting as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when there's things to be done and you feel like you can't do anything, you just have to take the pressure off. Isn't you it the take message? Take the pressure off. Lower, your, well, I wouldn't say lower, but you manage your expectations mm-hmm. about what you will get done in mm-hmm. a day and take the pressure off everything, mm-hmm. I think. I wanted to mention briefly too this idea, this pressure to be the perfect parent. Yeah. Um, because, and again, everybody's got an opinion. Mm-hmm. And we put, I think a lot of women... The problem is we do everything else in our life so well that we mm. anticipate that we'll do parenting really mm-hmm. well. But that there's a phrase that um, came out of uh, you know a developmental psychologist back in the oh I don't mm-hmm. remember now 60s Donald Winnicott is his name and he came up with this concept of the good enough parent and mm-hmm. I tell that to everybody all the mums that I speak to so all the mums that I meet what we are going for here is good enough parenting. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the perfect parent attending. Like, yes, you need to attend to your baby. Of course, you need yes. to attend to your baby's needs. But um, let go of that perfectionist idea mm-hmm. about parenting because a lot of the mood stuff and the challenges we face are mm-hmm. these expectations we place on ourselves. It is so hard. Mm. It is so hard. And I even went into 
you know, having Arnold and I wanted him to always be dressed perfectly oh. and, you know, but then he he had reflux so he's vomiting all day <laughs> and the washing was piling up and I was so embarrassed about how much washing I had to do. I didn't want people to come over. We've heard about your shower screens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I was too embarrassed to ask for help because that would mean someone would come to the house, see the washing and I would like die. Mortified. I Mortified. Know. So... You know, you do have to reach out for help, say, you know, laundry is a mess. Actually, there's laundry all over the house. Yes. You know, and, but I need help. Take the pressure off. Yeah. Asking for help is so important and I just think we don't do it enough in any area of yeah. life actually, but especially with with and new babies. I won't forget, I will never forget one of my closest friends. She heard in my voice that something wasn't right. She sent me a text and said, there's something on your doorstep. And it was freshly made, homemade Rocky Road and a beautiful um, beef, you know, slow cooked meal with bread. And she had thought of everything, condiments, everything in a basket. And I say, if you want to do something for a new mum. Bring them food. Send them food. Don't don't go into the house. Just say it's on the front door, you know. (laughs) Perfect. Because... Yeah, it was. Perfect. I always say too, like things that you can do to help are like order a nappy service, send, yeah. send in a cleaner like, or, or, or send yeah. food. But yeah. you know, anything that takes some of that load off mm-hmm. is really helpful, especially in those early days. Yeah, it's so difficult. But if you can get some fresh air, ask for help, see a professional. Um, and I would say too, and I just want to throw this in mm. right at the end, to not necessarily be scared of medication if medication is indicated because, and I'm not a doctor, like Mm -hmm. I obviously don't prescribe medication, Mm -hmm. but I have come across women who resist it. They they fear that it will affect the breastfeeding or Mm -hmm. um, they they just have an aversion to taking um, any sort of medication. And it's not for everybody and some people can get through fine without it, but I have known so many mums who when they finally actually relent and they say, okay, maybe I need to take mm. something to get me through the worst part of this, mm-hmm. they will often say, I just wish I had not resisted it for as long as I did because I didn't realise that I didn't yes. have to suffer as much as I was. It's like they suffering. actually don't even realise how how much they were suffering mm-hmm. until they're not anymore. So yeah. I always just say, be, keep an open mind mm-hmm. with that sort of thing. And with that, you have to look after mum yeah. because there's so much emphasis on the new baby and you have this baby and everyone comes over to see the baby, see the baby. How's the baby? How's the baby? But how how's are you? you? How's mum? How's mum? And mum, you need some time and it's not selfish to take a me moment, or even if you don't have time for me time, you know, and looking after yourself, whether that's a five-minute home workout or cooking yourself a healthy meal and not just grabbing snacks or eating cereal out of the packet like I was for dinner because I didn't have time to cook. You know, after a few weeks in with Arnold, I said, that's it, Tiffany. You're not eating like this. You're going to go back to eating good nutrition for your milk, for your baby, for your mindset, for your hormones, you know, and that wasn't selfish even though it felt, I felt guilty about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so take some time off. And do what works. Yeah. And, and if you've got, honestly, and, and create a, if you've got family, a lot of people don't have family. Yes, some people don't, yep. And that's an indicator. They live interstate or... That's an indicator. Oh, not an indicator. That's a risk factor for yeah. depression postnatally. Mm-hmm. So if you've had a history of depression in the past, if you don't have a, a lot of support, if you have tended to be very kind mm-hmm. of high-achieving perfectionist, mm-hmm. then these are all in risk factors for depression. So if you can uh, create a community, if there are people around you, 
tap into those resources. And it does take a village to raise a child. And these days we don't have that village. So you do have to reach out. We hope that helps you, listener. (laughs) (laughs) Tears and all. Cass, uh, thank you so much. Um, That really helped me. Great. And um, I hope that helps you, listener. So next episode, we're going to be talking about how to be more resilient, bouncing back after you've had a failure or... A setback or a disappointment? A disappointment. We'll talk to you soon. Crappy to Happy is recorded in the Podcast One studios. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes and to check out other great podcasts, go to podcastone.com.au or download the app.